Many of you know that uh, I have identical twin daughters. They were born on Mother's Day of all places, or times. For many years, they were very difficult to tell apart. Even on, even on the phone, sometimes you'd have to really listen to determine which one you were talking to. And I remember people would come to them, when, especially when there were just one of them there, and would say, which one are you? Are you Hillary or are you Alice? When Evelyn and I lived in Evanston, as I went, I attended seminary, the girls were in college at that point, and they would stay with us during the summers so that they could make some money for, for their next year of, of college. And Evelyn was able to find them a job at the place where she worked. And one time for a prank, they went in and at lunchtime they changed clothes. And they sat at each other's station. Nobody ever knew. <laughs> Nobody ever knew. Which one are you? In other words, who are you? These are the words that the priests and the Levites asked John the Baptist in our gospel today. John was a witness sent from God. And as most, of, if not all, of the Old Testament prophets were, as Steve Martin would say, they're wild and crazy guys. I mean, when you think about, Clint told us last week that his diet was locust and wild honey. I can't imagine driving up to a drive-thru and asking for that today. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all would, could might believe. We know that John's birth was ordained by God. It was announced by the angel Gabriel to Zechariah, his father, by Luke in his opening of his gospel. Gabriel covered every detail there was, so there was no chance about this birth. It was meant to be. John came as a witness to bear, or to bear witness or to give testimony about Jesus to help in producing belief in those that he heard. We know that salvation comes only through the gift of Jesus Christ. But John the Baptist's witness to the person of Jesus Christ is vital to the ministry of Jesus. You see, John was the advanced man. He came before. And as the prophet Isaiah foretold, would prepare the people to receive would prepare the way of the Lord and make a straight pathway in the desert for his coming. The whole idea of witnessing and testimony comes from our court systems. As a witness, you swore that you would tell the truth. As a witness for Jesus, we are to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. I've told you before that I have spent a few years in the Assemblies of God Pentecostal Church. And that was a wonderful and meaningful experience for me. It's where I fell in love with Scripture. In their worship services, especially on Sunday nights sometimes, they would have testimony time. And it was a marvelous, marvelous time. This was an opportunity for people to share something special that God had done or was doing in their life. 
Many times these were better than the sermons because you could experience what it really meant to, to the application of the gospel firsthand and how faith really worked. And most of these were very special. A few times, however, these opportunities turned into times when people would simply talk about themselves, indirectly patting themselves on the back and uh, at God's expense. In the end, these were more like pointing to themselves than, doing, than telling about the work that God was doing in their life. But when we look at the example that John the Baptist gives today in this gospel reading, we learn much about what it means to be a good witness and what giving a good testimony is. This is something that every Episcopalian should strive for. And I don't say that lightly because we all have a story. If we know Jesus Christ, there's a story in our life that God would desire us to tell. That is our witness. That is our testimony. These stories people are longing to hear. In John, we had a man who knew who he was and who he was not. One of John's great attributes was his humility. You never hear John talking about himself. You never hear John drawing attention to himself. In fact, in John 3.30, John says, he, meaning Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. He claimed for himself neither too much nor too little. And that to me makes him credible. He speaks the truth although he is not the truth. He bears witness to the light even though he knew he was not the light. But when these priests and Levites came interrogating John, and you know the difference between an interrogator and a witness is that the interrogators demand an answer. Witnesses offer hope by proclaiming the truth. John is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, but he's not the Word of God. Everything about John points to the Lord, to the light, to the life of the one who both stands among them and who is coming to be with him. And John will bet his life on that. That's it. That's how it is with witnessing. They live and die on the basis of what they've seen, what they've heard, and what they witness. Witnesses offer hope. More than ever, if you look at our world today, it needs witnesses of hope. There's such a lack of trust there's such a lack of honest reality. We need people who know who they are and who they're not. Hopefully, we are at the cusp of a vaccine for this coronavirus that will unlock life for us. I have no idea what our new normal will look like. But the hope is that it will be far better than it is today. John is that voice of hope for humanity. His words echo through the wilderness of our world and our lives today as we struggle through this pandemic with its death 
and his fr frustrations about sharing life and having life like we'd like it to be. These Levites and priests asked similar questions as people did to my twins. Which one are you? In this case, who are you? Verse 20 says, John did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. And they asked again, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. Notice how John's answers get shorter and shorter. Then who are you, they said. I'm simply a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight so that we can have a life without the turmoil that we know as life today. We all go through trauma. We all go through tough times. When I think about hard times in my life, the death of a spouse, the problem with surgery that made my daughter a paraplegic, the health issues of both Evelyn and me that we've gone through, I have to ask myself, what sustained me through those times? Was it answers? Was it explanations? Was it giving me somebody to blame? No. No amount of who, what, when, or why gave me any solace. And I'll bet that when those things happen to you, they don't bring you solace either. Or satisfaction. It is the word of hope that gets us through it all. Hope doesn't make life easy. Hope makes life possible. Hope reminds us that what we're going through now will not be the same. It won't always be like this. There is light and life coming to us. And in the case of John the Baptist, it's already here. But it's not easy. We must practice hope. We must listen to the right voice. Not the voice of the wilderness, but the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. He is coming, and in fact, he's already here. The reality of God is that he is the God of hope. And we can bank on that. We must practice listening to his voice. It is the voice we hear as Paul speaks to the Thessalonians in today's reading and encourages them when he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, not just the good circumstances, but all circumstances. Why, you say? Why? How can we do that? Because it is, the, it is the will of God for our life. I can't explain it. But God is saying, even though it doesn't look like it, it will be good for you to walk through it and to realize his presence in it. No, I can't explain it. I simply know it's true. 
I was involved in prison ministry for over 20 years. And I asked one of the inmates one time, told me that once coming to prison was the, was the best thing that ever happened to him. I said, excuse me? How in the world can that be? He said, if I hadn't come to prison, I'd be dead today. He said, God sent me here, and I praise him for it. That opened my eyes to see that all circumstances were sent by God. They're allowed by God for us to grow into the fullness of Christ. But it takes practice. It takes practice to rejoice in all things. It takes practice to pray without ceasing. Because many times I don't feel like it. And it certainly takes practice to give thanks in all circumstances. But when we practice these, they will enable us to both hear the voice of God and the voice of hope and to become that same voice for others. There is a voice of hope and we are it.